You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Zach back here with you again. Kane's Train Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome to Season 2. We made it through a whole season. Weirdest season of my life. And uh, it was a lot of work. I'm going to tell you that. It was a lot of work to figure out what the hell do I talk about when what is going on. Like, you know, it's just difficult to do. But we made it through. And uh, I, I attribute that to, to you people listening more than I do me. Because if you weren't going to listen to this stuff, I would, there's nothing I could do to make it up. Um, and if it, if it didn't have some level of traction and if it, if it wasn't you know, getting some attention, it would be pretty damn impossible to get some of these amazing people I've had on in the last couple months. Um, you know, Just thinking back on guests, I mean, we've had... Corey Lavallee, we've had Adam Gold, we've had Sarah Sivian, we've had Abby Labar, we've had Mike Maniscalco. Um, don't want to give too, too much away, but in the next few weeks, you know, you're going to hear episodes with Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. Um, that might even be this episode, honestly, because here's the thing. Um, I, as this comes out, this is coming out Thursday, which by the way, if you're like, Thursday? It's Thursday? Yeah, because the new season's starting. Um, technically, we were in the off-season for a while there, all right? But um, season two is starting uh, since we've hit December. And so we're going to go back, if you remember how it was <laughs> during the season before the playoffs, um, we went Monday, Thursday. And so that's what we're doing again for this season. Now, um, there's going to be a lot of uh, guessing at what the heck is going on and if a season's even starting and all that sort of stuff. And we'll talk about that. You'll hear that we talk about it with guests and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I'll, I'll try to keep updating whatever's going on. It's going to be similar to um, it's going to be similar to like covering a lockout, but worse because it's out of everyone's hands to a certain extent. Um, but anyway, don't remember what my point was originally, how I ended up where I am right here uh, with the words I've just been saying. Uh, oh yeah, by the way, that's what I was talking about. As this comes out on Thursday, um, tomorrow, on Friday, I am leaving for my honeymoon, and I got married in June, and it is December, <laughs> but that's what happens, um, and you know, traveling is not easy right now, but the good thing is that we are going to St. Lucia on an island where, you know, it's an island, it's pretty easy for them to keep stuff down, and let me tell you, they are serious about, I had to get approval, we had to get approval from the government of St. Lucia to go there. We had to fill out a million different forms. Um, we had to get COVID tested negative. Let's go negative baby. Uh, we had to send those in. We had to, um, fill out a bunch of forms. We had to stay at at a COVID approved location, which the resort we are is like they, you know, they relig or reg relegate, regulate them so that they, you know, are following certain procedures and all that sort of stuff. 
which is good. You know, we want all that too. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get anybody else sick. Um, but damn it, if I don't have a honeymoon to get to. So we pushed it from June to December. So that's where I am right now. And uh, open up the curtain a little bit for you, you know. But so here's the deal is that prior to leaving, because obviously I'm not going to be recording episodes on an island, although that would be cool, uh, but I need the internet and, you know, a microphone. I feel like if I showed up at the airport with all this equipment, they'd be like, he's a spy. This guy's a Russian spy, for sure. So I can't bring all this stuff. So I've got to record episodes for this one you're hearing, right? I had to record that one. I have to record the following Monday, which will come out on Monday, and the following Thursday. And uh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I haven't done those yet because this is the beginning of them. I'm honestly just going to keep talking. Like I'm going to record. I'm just going to keep talking until I can caulk, caulk. Am I caulking things? Are we building something? Is it time to paint things? What am I talking about? Already losing my mind. That's what happens when I sit down in a room. Uh, imagine you sit down in a room, you know, and you just put a microphone in front of yourself and you're like, all right, just go until you can't go anymore. You're going to talk about, I mean, dumb stuff that like, what does it even mean? What are you saying? You know, that's me right now. Um, but anyway, I guess what I'm going to try to do is kind of pull like some current ish events or just fun storylines and stuff like that. Because look, the main, the main thing we've got going on right now is that um, with the January 1st is not going to happen, okay? It's just not. Honestly, I don't even know if I want to talk about this yet because I'm pretty sure it's going to be part of the guest segment. And if it's not, then I'll talk about it next episode because I'll record that and then I'll record, you know, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I'll, we'll get into that. But I did want to want to touch on a fun little thing going on right now before we get into the guest part of this episode um, to start off the season with a bang ESPN's Greg Wyshynski, um, is this is this uh, Jake Paul versus Evander Kane thing? Um, it is an interesting little thing. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically, uh, if you're an NHL fan, I'm sure you know Evander Kane. If you don't, he um, is a is a player for the Sharks who um, has always been known as a guy who will beat the shit out of you if you try to fight him. Um, he's named after Evander Holyfield. He had, he's uh, had a lot of training growing up um, as a fighter in addition to being a, a solid hockey player. Um, but Jake Paul, who is, you know, like a YouTube uh, personality, I guess, whatever you call it. I don't know what to call it. I'm too old to know... To like get that entirely, you know, I'm just past that generation of what it, people just talking on YouTube and it's fine, but that's what this is, isn't it? So I basically do the same thing. So I'm not going to talk shit about him, but, um, yeah, I don't know what the name for what he does is, but he's a, he's a person that people know on YouTube and, uh, probably podcasts and whatever he was like on Vine and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, he is like started boxing. I guess he's been training for a year or so. Um, and he just had a, a boxing match against former Knicks, uh, player, Nate Robinson, who I'm, you may or may not have heard of. He was a basketball player. Um, and KO'd him. Now has Nate Robinson ever boxed before? Not quite sure. I think that was his first match ever. Um, so, you know, going up against people that really have very little actual training and just athletes that are like, I could beat the shit out of somebody. 
um, you know, training will go a long way. So that happens. And basically Evander Kane just starts going, um, I'd wreck you, I think is what he said. That was, that was his first tweet. Um, that was his first tweet to, um, Lo- not Logan Paul, his brother, Jake Paul, um, basically challenging him to a fight, which, Hey, honestly, if I had to put money on it, I mean, I don't know Jake Paul at all is the thing. So like, there's people arguing both sides. I mean, I've seen Evander Kane, and I agree. Hockey fights are not the same as, like, boxing, but I'm pretty sure it's he would be better at boxing than he would in a hockey fight because it's not, like, it's not the same thing. You're not, one, you're not trying to knock out your opponent necessarily. I mean, unless he's fighting Ryan Reeves, in which case he probably is, which we'll get to that. But, um, like, it's not the same. You know what I mean? It's not the same thing at all. So it's a very different, it's a very different thing. You're not on ice, for one. Uh, you're not like just grabbing each other. It's like hockey fights are more of just an emotional mess if you're really trying to fight the person. A lot of times they're not even that. They're just like, hey, we're going to drop the gloves. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. And then it's just like a, yeah, throw some punches. You're not trying to knock the guy out. You're just trying to bring some energy to the to your bench and stuff like that. Those fights are kind of stupid, I think. But when it's like the emotional, like you just hurt someone on my team and I'm going to beat the shit out of you, I'm for those, you know. Um, but so he calls them out. He calls, Evander Kane calls Jake Paul out and basically is like, I want to challenge you. And uh, then, of course, um, Ryan Reeves, who plays for the Golden Knights, and you know, I'm sure that beef relatively well, if you know anything about those two players, uh, he, he claps back on him, at him on Twitter and just says, Evander Kane calling someone out to fight? We might have to wait nine years to see that. He might be a good prelim versus Kevin Hart, though, which is funny. I mean... Dude, I love the shit-talking game, especially between athletes, because it's so much fun. That's my favorite part. That's my favorite part, is talking shit. You might even get that vibe if you've just heard me speak. Like, it's just fun, you know? It's it's a sport in itself, is, is shit-talking. The ability to artfully craft your words with the specific intent to get under the other person's skin especially if you can do it in a way that's humorous to where everyone that hears it thinks it's funny, except for the person that you're shitting on. So much fun. And, you know, I have almost more respect for that than the skill of the game. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's funny to say that he would be a good prelim versus Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, of course, is like five foot four. Um, no disrespect to Kevin Hart, but maybe a little undersized. It'd be funny. Honestly, I would love to see that matchup also. Um, but so, that goes back and forth. Uh, Ryan Reeves' brother also chimes in and says, boy, if you don't sit your soft ass down <laughs> uh, as a uh, as a additional, you know, kind of clap back to, um, <laughs> to Evander Kane calling out Jake Paul as well. So these guys are all over him. So Kane goes farther and says, always good to see the Reeves sisters chime in and try to hop on the coattails, but that's okay. I'll keep you both relevant, which is like a, ooh, shit escalating things like he's he's being serious now like he took the like humorous like man quit playing around you know your dumb ass is gonna lose this fight he took it from that to like you guys ain't shit and you wouldn't be relevant without me <laughs> so um the cool thing about that is that uh <laughs> evander kane got immediate flack because he said always good to see the reeve sisters chime in which you know it's 2020 and you had to see that coming, you know? This is exactly what the PR department of an NHL team is like. Look, it's going to seem like it's okay to tweet a lot of things, but it is not. So probably don't get in a Twitter fight 
if you're representing uh, a franchise, you know, I don't think they would want you to because chances that you say something that could come back to haunt you are pretty high <laughs> because people are very sensitive about a lot of things. So, um, you know, I guess you can't call people sisters because they'll say it's transphobic or sexist. And um, it's just like, you know, he obviously didn't mean it that way, but it's cool that every time, you know, anyone says anything, they usually have to apologize for it. And it's fine, you know? I mean, don't offend people, I guess, but also, like, don't get that easily offended. Also, how are those people, like, I don't know. I was going to say, how are they even finding out about this? Because it doesn't seem, I don't know. I'm going to get myself in trouble, too, and it's fine. I'll apologize for it, you know? I'll apologize right now. Hey, anything I just said that was insensitive, oops. That was the most half-assed apology of all time. But, um, yeah, there it is. There you go. I don't really have anything for off the rails, at least for this episode either. I'm going to save some stuff. Um, I'm sure I'll have lots of stories when I come back. One thing that did happen to me this morning, though, is I went to um, I went to a, a, a drive-thru to get a cup of coffee because I ran out of the house uh, and I was working from home and I was like, I need a fucking coffee. I have to go through this drive-thru. So I drove a couple miles away and I pull up and I just ordered, I said, can I get a medium hot latte? You know, make fun of me if you want. I like a fucking latte, Okay. Steam me up some milk, baby. I usually get it with almond milk. This was like a Dunkin' Donuts, so I'm not going to ask them for almond milk. What kind of pretentious asshole asks for almond milk at a Dunkin' Donuts? Get out of here. That's not me. So I did not ask for that. I didn't make it complicated. I just said, can I have a medium hot latte? And she said, word for word, this is even, I, and this proves that even if you work at a place that mainly sells coffee, you obviously uh, still have to deal with a morning and waking up and not being 100% there in the brains but she goes medium hot latte would you like that large and i was like what is she is she trying to upsell me is she, did she have a stroke when i was ordering and then i went uh medium's fine and she was like oh i literally just said that didn't i wow okay i'm so sorry and i was like that's embarrassing on your part but it's all good people make mistakes i do stuff like that all the time you gotta own it what she did is the right way if she would just been like oh okay i would have been like who is this person get your shit but she owned it she was like wow yeah i'm dumb i even just repeated medium to you and then said large what an idiot i am i like that person you know admit your mistakes own own when you're wrong that's the big thing um the other, the other thing about like drive throughs like that is, um, have you ever been through a Wendy's and you'll order something and if it's a combo, they'll go, and would you like that medium or large, which is a really good sales tactic, which to me, the best, the best sales strategies like that for, for service industry places, uh, are ones that are like borderline unethical. You know, <laughs> because their intention is a lot of people just go, oh, medium, it's a smaller one. But really, like, it comes small, medium, or large. They're just like, I'm not even going to, we're not even going to pretend that small is an option because I'm not letting you buy a small. So there's like medium or large. And so many people will go, uh, medium's cool. And it's like $2 more. Like, they just, they just got you, boy. Um, I think that's funny. But yeah, is that, is that right to do? Is it okay to just, fool people into pretending there's no small option because I don't play for that shit. You know, I used to be in the service industry. I used to have to chain train salespeople. So I was all about that. Like, look, don't be, you know, schemy about it, but you know, push them in the direction of spending some more money. Um, this might've been something I would have signed off on, but is that okay? Is it okay 
isn't it, is it your responsibility to know that obviously if medium and large are a thing, that small has to be or else the word small doesn't exist? Or are they like super shady for pretending that there's only two upcharge options and that the original option isn't a thing, you know? What do you think? Thanks for your responses. Um, all right, well, I'm going to wrap it up. I got to go jump on this call that you're about to hear right now. Isn't that wild how technology works? Um, so sorry for the no streams. I'm out. Um, stuff should still be getting posted. Shout out to Isha and Dylan and whoever else with the network is helping with that as we speak. Y'all are the best. Um, follow at HockeyPodNet. Follow at Kane's Train Pod. And dude, I'm going to say it again. Go rate the show. How do I ask for it every week? And people listen every week and then you just don't do it. Do you know how hard it is to rate the show? It is zero on the hard scale, okay? That's like a cotton ball on the hard scale. It's not difficult to do. You could just go do it because as you're listening to this, dude, just keep scrolling and eventually you just see some stars. You just tap them. I mean, it could not be easier to do a thing than it is to do that thing right there. So make that happen, all right? Thank you, everybody. Um, Look forward to recording, you know, an hour more of, whatever but i got through this 16 minutes pretty damn well so good for me and uh i'll catch you guys on monday and then the thursday after that here's greg all right i'm here with greg washinsky you know him as espn's senior writer for the nhl over there you can follow him at washinsky on twitter check out his articles check him out on the buck soup podcast with sean mcindoe um and uh Ryan Lambert, correct? I didn't get his name wrong, did I, Greg? <laughs> uh, I mean, I I can't speak to Sean's name. I don't even know how to produce pronounce it, but like <laughs> Ryan's is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. Um, Greg, you've had a lot of, you know, obviously you uh, report on tons of hockey stuff, and the biggest thing going on right now is this restart. Clearly, and the drama between. You know, do we have a deal? Did we, is one side backing out of it? Are we going to have to renegotiate a bunch of stuff? Was January 1st ever even close to being a real thing? I don't know anymore. Um, but it seems like, it seems like we were headed towards an agreement and then the owners realized that, oh, we might lose some money up front here. Um, wait, let's renegotiate something. Is that kind of the, the gist you get from what's going on right now? Well, the, the, Gary Bettman is pushing back on the idea that this is a renegotiation, um, but I don't know how else to read it. Uh, I think what happened was the NHL decided to come to the players with a couple of proposals. The players uh, leaked them, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the NHL got egg on their face because you know they just agreed to the CBA four months earlier, and uh, now we're coming back to the table to try to... Um, change the terms of of that part of the deal which again like as as some of the players have pointed out to me privately if it was the players coming to the nhl and saying you know let, let's say the covid rates got better you know and and like the players come back to the nhl and be like all right things are looking better we might have fans sooner than we anticipated uh why don't we decrease the money we're deferring and uh, decrease the cap on escrow and they'd be laughed out of the room. Like it it wouldn't even be a conversation. So, you know, the idea that the NHL is, is kind of doing the same thing now is uh, a bit of an insult to the players and uh, not exactly a a harbinger of good things. My pet theory on this is that 
Gary Bettman is pretty cool with the way things went with the CBA uh, and that he fully expected that this to be a settled matter and that we'd have a, a season on track for January 1st. But I think a group of, of owners, and maybe all of them, I don't know, but uh, at least a good group of them, um, aren't really don't really have a, like a lot of appetite to to play without fans for a full season. Yeah. And so have asked him to go back to the table and, and try to get a bit more money out of the players. And if you read his comments today from the Sports Business Journal um, conference that he attended, I, 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 you know, I've seen him go into these these types of, of labor deals before, and he's full of vim and vigor and and ultimatums and all kinds of things. I don't yeah. think it's hard to I don't think it's hard to do this one, man. I think I think <laughs> he feels like they just got this stuff done. They came to an agreement. It was a pretty good one. Let's play hockey. And then his owners are like, actually, you should fight for this. So it's right. been interesting to see. Yeah, it's a it's a tough spot for everybody, really. But th- my thing is, and to call it not a renegoti- renegotiation of the CBA is, I mean, what is it then? You know, um, you're asking for a difference in how money is split. Isn't that what the CBA is you know um but yeah and it's also it's also a situation where they're going to get their money back like the the right. tenant the, the the foundation of the cba is that it's a 50 50 revenue split it's just yeah. that the, the owners are going to get their money later rather than sooner um the the players already made a concession of deferring payment to give them money sooner yeah. um and now they want more of it sooner and you know, the, the thing that bugs me the most about it is that this idea that no one could see this coming or it's unforeseen right. circumstances. And it's like, first of all, you negotiated the damn thing in a pandemic. And then second of all, like they went through worst case scenarios when they negotiated it. It's not as if some, the, the two sides were in a room and nobody bought up. But what if there are no fans this season? Well, of course it came up. <laughs> like It's just yeah. it's it's nonsense to think that that uh, that every situation wasn't vetted in this in this uh, in this negotiation and to come back to the table now with even you know a, a proposal that they change the terms is just it just it's just insulting. Yeah, that that's actually exactly what I was about to bring up is that when you're negotiating something like this during, like you said, a pandemic, like obviously there's going to be worst case scenarios. Don't you start with those because aren't <laughs> the aren't the non worst case scenarios the easier things to negotiate? Then hey, what if we have no money from you know fans in the seats and and concessions not. Isn't that the place to start negotiating? So I would think that that's the thing they had nailed down if they had any agreement, not the, oh, it might get better stuff. That's that's easier to work out. And especially yeah. since you said the players are already making a concession on their on their salaries and all that. It's a good thought. I do. I do wonder just because of the nature of the pandemic, if. You know, there was a little bit of of wiggle room or or uh, you know broad strokes, and so far as not really knowing how this thing was going to play out, even for the next five months versus you know five years. So, I, I look, look without question, they discussed worst case scenarios. It wouldn't surprise me if the ultimate agreement wasn't based solely on worst case right. scenarios. Um, but the thing that that's coming up now for folks that are you know watching this from afar and, and wondering about the fate of the season, you know there, there's been some trial balloons floated by owners through their Canadian media proxies on the potential for a forced majeure situation, i.e., you know the act of God clause that's in some contracts where you can yeah. you know wipe out the season or wipe out a contract and and it's due to unforeseen uh, circumstances out of everybody's control now. In the player contracts, that clause has pretty much been voided out. 
um, through agreement between the sides and the CBA. But there is a clause in the CBA where the the league can try to enact it. And I, I think the counter argument that you're hearing from at least several of the agents I've spoken to, and I think they've got a good point here, is that it's going to be really hard to claim an unforeseen act of God type situation when you negotiated this deal yeah. during the unforeseen act of God situation. Exactly. And so um, it'll be, I mean, it's not to say they can't pull the shoot on the season. It's just to say that if they do, I think there's going to be a pretty robust court defense from the players on this that uh that it, it, it's it's not applicable and also keep in mind that you know we've seen i've seen some people throw around the word lockout today um yeah. there can't you can't be a lockout if you have a cba in place right. it, it would yeah. be it'd be something else that they that they pull yeah some new cool reason that we don't have a season which is uh you know yeah. right on brand <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i'm i'm no lawyer but i i i side with whatever agents you've spoken to that, that opinion that can you claim, you know, that it's this unforeseen act when you negotiated the whole thing during the unforeseen act, is it an unforeseen act if it's going around all around you? What I do think happened is that they probably, the owners group probably had projections on what they were planning for. And it seems like the pandemic has taken a pretty big uh, turn toward the dark side here in the last few weeks or a month or so, by the time this comes out, um, and, you know, we've had spikes and it's not looking as likely that, you know, attendance and stuff like that, there's more leeway. It seems like there will be more restrictions than, you know, in two weeks than there were two weeks ago. Um, so I can see how they would realize, oh, we might be losing more money at the beginning than we thought. But at the end of the day, like you said, the money is going to come around, right? This this will work itself out eventually. And is it not? Uh, this can be argued a million ways by a million different people. There are definitely people who disagree with me on this, but should that, should that burden of taking the hit up front belong to the guys making, you know, money on the whole operation or the guys that are getting paid as part of the operation? Like it's, it's like a CEO of a company saying, no, my employees need to need to pay me so I can pay them back instead of, you know, taking a hit to pay their employees through a tough time and then, you know, maybe renegotiating salary. It's just odd to me, the philosophy that it's on the players to, you know, front money when they're not making as much as the the owners are making more off of them. It's just an odd, it's just an odd idea. And again, like when we get into this sort of nebulous area about, about who's making what, it becomes a very awkward situation because, you know, it's so different than when baseball went through this and, and everybody was criticizing the, the baseball players and owners and all these guys making millions of dollars uh, when the economy shut down and people are losing businesses and your jobs and everything. Like it, it becomes kind of a, a roll your eyes at it type deal when you think about you know the the players and the owners going at each other's throats over over this money. When you know if you play, everybody's going to make you know lose less yeah. money, and and you're already rich already. But I will say that you know if you look at the dynamics of the of, of the hockey pay scale, um, you know when you take in twenty percent of escrow and you know ten percent of deferred salary, and then maybe you take off even more deferred salary if the owners kind of get what they're looking for here. Like it, like it's not going to hurt you know, Connor McDavid, like he's right. all right. He's going to be fine. He's got the weird house. Everything's cool. Yeah. yeah, He's got circular. It's fine. He's, he's going to be fine. But for, <laughs> if you're some guy making, you know, $700,000, which is all, I get a lot of money, but keep in mind that 
you're already getting a haircut tax wise in most oh, places. Yeah. Um, now you, right. Unless you're in Florida or, or, or Texas, then you got the escrow, then you got deferral of salary. And again, like a lot of these, of these guys that, that don't make a lot of dough in the NHL, um, you'd be surprised how much they live within their means. Um, and when all of a sudden your paycheck dramatically changes, it's no different than any, anybody else's paycheck. There's a, there's a group of, of players in this league that I think, although clearly are making a lot more money than any of us are, uh, <laughs> although I can't speak for you, man. A podcast industry is pretty lucrative. <laughs> it's booming, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, they are going to be pretty dramatically affected if, if they squeeze out any more dollars from these guys this season. Yeah, it's, I mean, trust me, I understand the the arguments on both sides. It's a lot of money. Um, and, you know, like these arguments over, oh, they're already making all this money. I mean, to me, a dollar's a dollar. Like if you asked one of us to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, we would be like, are you kidding me? Like it would be a big yeah. deal. So yeah. I get it. That, that amount of money buys the same thing for me as it does and, for, you know, a billionaire. But, um, right. you know. And then the flip side of that is that, you know, as much as we want to look at these owners and call them greedy and, and what have you and stuff, I mean, like, I, I have a, a, a level of sympathy for for some of them um, in the sense that they're going to lose a ton of money, yeah. you know, in the in in this pandemic, in the sense that you look at a team like Dallas, for example, where, you know, Tom Gallardi, their owner, is in the hospitality industry. He's taken a bath there. They make it to the cup final. He doesn't make a dime in playoff right. revenue, basically, because the, t- the games are being played in Edmonton in front of empty buildings like I do have a certain level of sympathy for what these guys are going through as well. Um, but at the end of the day, like a deal's a deal is kind of how yeah. I do it. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, look, everybody's taking a hit. I mean, everyone in the world is taking a hit. I don't, unless you're Amazon, I don't know a whole lot of people that are making more and more money during the pandemic. Like, you know, I, most <laughs> people I know have taken some level of an economic hit during this time, this whole year. Um, so it's not surprising that, guys are going to have to lose money it sucks but like isn't the isn't the quickest way out of it to keep providing the product that does eventually make money it doesn't really seem like um it, it's not like we're going to give up on the league forever right i mean it doesn't that doesn't solve anyone's problems if we don't play this year you're still losing money and now you're not you know you don't have the opportunity to make it throughout the season if things do get better and also like it's just a bad pr look i think for the league it probably loses you some revenue going forward because of the way you come off to certain people and all that. But like the solution to me is just find a way to play. I know it's not ideal, but to me it's better than the alternative of just not doing anything at all. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, it's going to be a, a, the difference between losing an absolute, you know, shit ton of money and then just a ton of money. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the, <laughs> yeah. the two scenarios we're looking at here, but uh, the, the end, the two things are, one, Bettman wants to play, so I think we're going to play. And and the other thing is, it's all about 21-22. New, new U.S. TV contract, Kraken coming into the league. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, a year from now, the landscape is going to be dramatically different with the vaccines available. And, and not only that, but also I think people being more comfortable going back to mass gatherings – um, yeah. Which I, I think is something that a lot of a lot of the the prognostications about you know sports and movies and stuff kind of take into account, but not really stress enough. Which is that even when we get a vaccine, 
Um, and even when things start to reopen in other facets of life, like this is a lot of psychological damage for people. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I, and I think it's going to take a while for us as a society to untangle the, the anxiety of, of going back to movies and arenas and theme parks yeah, and, and everything. I mean, that's a, yeah, yeah. That's a like, big like, change. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, you know, I think they even know that even when, um, things are, are, are a year from now, things are going to be better. I mean, there's just right. no question about that. I think that you could talk to any epidemiologist and they'll tell you that, you know, barring some unforeseen mutation, we're going to be, our, we're going to be in a better place a year from now than where we are now. Um, even th- just by knowing more about the disease and, and how to treat it versus even the vaccine stuff. Um, right. But are, are we going to be in a place where the, the consumer is ready to uh, put themselves back in a situation where they're around, uh, you know, 10, 18,000 other people. And I mean, like hockey tickets cost money. And what is that? What is it going to look like for anybody that's been out of work for a while to come back and start spending money on season tickets? Yeah, exactly. All great points. Questions for you, the audience to answer as the consumer, I suppose. But, um, thanks Greg for doing this. I won't take up any more of your time. I know you're a super busy guy. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to do this with me. Um, again, everybody go follow Greg at Wyshynski on Twitter. Uh, check out his articles for ESPN. Check out his podcasts he does. Um, appreciate it, man. Anytime, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. See you later.